Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to everybody's favorite auntie, a cross-generational conversation about relationships, family, and all the joy and drama in between. I'm your host, Shakira. And I'm everybody's favorite auntie, Lisa. Hey guys, we're back with another episode of Everybody's Favorite Auntie. Hey Auntie. Hey. So this is season two, episode two. Again, we made it, right? Yes, we did. How exciting. Um, and very happy to welcome uh, a special guest that I met this summer, mm-hmm. and we formed a relationship and um, decided to partner up. Uh, Leslie Garcia from Counseling Space NYC. Um, tell us who you are, why you're here, and I'm super excited to get yes. into this. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Leslie Garcia, founder of Counseling Space. I'm a clinical social worker. We work with entrepreneurs, professionals. We want to create and be in spaces where we humanize mental health. Our goal is to help our clients to beat mental stress that's interfering with their success. Okay. Yeah. All right, auntie. Great. That's a good, good, broad and nice perspective that you have on mental health. Okay. Um, and since I think before we even jump in, I would like if you can, Leslie, to clarify for us what is mental health. Yes. So everyone has mental health. Right. We all talk about mental health and people I remember doing a post that says, Oh, they have mental health and I said, We all have mental health, but not everyone has mental health conditions. Right. So mental health is how we act um, when it comes to stress, when it comes to relationship, when it comes to uh, breakdowns in life, but mental health condition is a disorder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. anxiety, like depression, uh, traumatic stress disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's like kind of like how do you cope with things that interfere with your daily mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. or your mm-hmm. daily activities? Exactly. If it's healthy. Or is it unhealthy? Okay. Yeah. So if it's a mental health condition, it's an unhealthy coping skill that right. you're developing. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's a, see, I don't think a lot of people realize that, mm-hmm. right? Because we all have ways of coping. We all experience things differently, both right. good and bad. So I think the stigma that's surround, that is around mental health is like, it, it's bad. It's negative. Yeah. But we, yeah. like you said, we all have mental health, mm-hmm. but it's how you cope with it or the condition that yeah. you have. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about mental health conditions. Sure. And if you can tell us like the most common uh, conditions that you hear about mm-hmm. or that clients talk to you about. Yeah. So the major, the ones that come to us mostly is depression. Depression is actually the, is one of the common ones. Anxiety is a common one as well. Those are the two common ones. But depression is actually the one that's most debilitating. Wow. When you look at the rates of disability yeah. and when it's related to mental health, it's depression. Right. When you look at suicide rates, a lot of them suffer, a lot of the victims suffer from depression. So depression and anxiety tends to be the most common. Right. We have like over 40 million people suffering from both of these conditions. Wow. And, and actually very common, I'm sorry, mostly no, okay. in women as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, do you think it has something to do with just women being nurturers? It's a natural thing for us. Oh, boy. (laughs) Did I poke the beast? You know, we're women. That's one thing. We can't change that, right? Right. So 
it the question is why are women most vulnerable so number one because we're women and just our dna our hormones are changing all the time and and it does affect our emotions so that's one thing the other is that women are more prone to harassment and violence the other is that women are um more vulnerable to have financial hardship. Right. We are the ones that are struggling most when it comes to work-life balance. Mm, say that right? again. And so we're so you know when we when we talk about victims and harassment, women or children tend to be the most who are are suffering. Right. Um. So those tend to be one of the common reasons why we suffer from the, the major or the common mental health conditions. Yes. Yeah. So basically, just society what society puts mm-hmm, on us and mm-hmm. our role in society yeah. actually plays a role on our, our mental health conditions yeah. what yeah. do you know and I, and I also think too is that um we bear a lot we bear the bulk of everything the household when things are not going right and we try to stay so strong as women yeah. we try to be the strong one we don't want the the kids to see us crying or yeah. we don't get it out enough. So I think those things have um, a major role in us mm-hmm. being depressed as well. Yeah. And it, it's weird because um, there was a post that said something like um, something about like your strong friends, like your strong mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. they need support. They need love. Call and check on your strong friends. And I think to um, Auntie Lisa's point as women, we especially within our communities, right, within, like, women of color, yeah. um, we are the ones that hold down the fort. And I think it is expected of us to be strong, not to break down, to keep everything moving. And so when you're raised in that, right, mm-hmm. and you don't have an outlet, you're like, well, this is how I'm supposed to be. Right. And then when you start questioning yourself or feeling feelings that could be depression or could be anxiety, you just brush it off because you don't even have the time or space to recognize that, right? That's correct. And also, there is a level of fear about asking for help. Yeah. How it's looked at being weak. Yes. And that's actually a self-care act. Asking for help is a is a self-care act. So there's another level of, you know, a barrier of asking people for help. Well, you know what? I, I, it's not that bad. Minimizing the stress that we're going through, right? And what I mentioned often is that people wait approximately eight years to seek help. Wow. Wow. To a point where it gets to a crisis. Wow. And so when I see clients at my practice at Counseling Space, I don't hear, you know what, I should have been here last week. Or I should have been here last month. It's, I should have been here 10, 15 years ago when I was in my 20s. Wow. Or when I was a teenager. But you, you didn't know. They didn't know, right? Yeah. And so the longer you minimize the stress, you you don't prioritize your mental health or just your well-being overall, you see the effects not only mentally deteriorating but also physically. Yeah. And so as women, we, we are so in tune and we're so insightful. You know when something is off. Right. But you just brush it off. You just brush yeah. it off until there is a breakdown, right? So I really want to encourage us, encourage people not to do, not to wait for a breakdown to go through breakthroughs, right? Mm. So make sure yeah. that you listen to these red flags yeah. that you're looking, you know, there's an internal compass that is telling you, you, you need to take care of yourself. Because if you don't, your body will shut down. The body always wins. When the body is stressed, you, you get sick. I, a lot of my clients I know 
You know what? The asthma will kick it. You know how your body yeah. is. You start to get the asthma. The migraines start to kick in because the body is stressed. So there is a level of fear asking for help. But if you don't ask for help, oftentimes your body is going to remind you in a way that it's not, you know, like that it's not comfortable to just shut down and I, not be productive. Uh huh. I want to ask you a question. Why do you think um, with African Americans is just we have a fear of getting help or seeking help. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that um, stereotype yeah. that we don't need help. Uh, you black, you strong. You don't need to go to no psychiatry. Just go in a room and and read or or you know handle it or do mm-hmm. something. I do believe under the undertone is the fear. There's a book that I read called The Medical Apartheid, and we have a history of being experimented on Mm. and so I do know that that is a very valid fear to have for our people when we go to the doctors like "Mm, something as recent as a Tuskegee experiment yeah 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 and oftentimes we're more pathologized right so there have been studies where you see a white person's symptoms versus a black person's symptoms but the black person is sicker yeah right there's more pathology to them so It is a level of fear that's very valid based on our history, right? When we look at the past of medical schools, you were not allowed to experiment on human bodies. And in the past, especially in the South, um, these medical schools will recruit people to go to the black cemetery. Wow. And so when you look at the history of medicine and how we were involved in medicine, right? I don't blame our people to be scared. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's, I mean, historically, that's definitely valid. Absolutely. And I think when you get past that, where you're like, listen, I have to do it, now it becomes a hurdle to find someone that looks like you, Mm -hmm. that can culturally identify. Because I think beyond, you know, race, right, it's identity. Mm -hmm. So if you find a therapist that has no idea how you grew up, has no idea just the cult, the nuances of right. your culture right. and your experience, um, you're not going to feel comfortable. And sometimes it's like they will just miss the mark totally mm-hmm. on what you're trying to mm-hmm. say, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I, when we first met, it was very like kindred, right? It's like you recognize my experience and I recognize yours. Yeah. Yeah. So, And that's where... When we have these conversations, it's like, mmm, girl. Like, right. all of them, right? <laughs> <Yes>. Like, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Because I recognize and, and I understand. Um, and so that's why it was important for us to bring you because, you know, if someone is in the New York City area or in, I know you practice in Georgia as mm-hmm. well, um, I want people, we want people to know that there are therapists that look like you, that share your experience, that you can go to. Um, And especially now where they have, like, I don't know, like, you can text, you can do video conferences. Like, there's so many different things. Um, Just get the help. You know, don't be afraid to, to talk about your pain. No, that's a good point. I mean, it's very it's very important for us to know the past, right? And having that self-awareness, I always say to be aware is to be alive. So having that self-awareness, being equipped with your with the history 
uh, you should take that knowledge and make sure that you know how to advocate yourself when you go see a doctor or when you go see a, a provider. Right. Or make sure that when you do select a therapist, it's someone who is culturally sensitive of, what, yeah. of what's going on. Uh, one thing that I find that is a concern is that, there, first of all, there aren't many of us. There's a shortage. So pretty much for every mental health provider, there are about 100 people or so that need, that need help. And when you leave the U.S., it's just, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. You know? yeah. Now, when you look at a diverse group of providers, that's a very slim number. And so many people who are waiting and who are, they're, you know, people who are listening and they're waiting, do not wait because there aren't many of us. Wow. And this is what, when people ask me, well, where do you see mental health going from here? I, I am optimistic because people like like you all talking about it in a public forum is so important yeah but what happens people start to open up be receptive and they make that call and they're going to have these barriers where providers are saying i'm booked Mm, i can't see you that's true and it's and, and so i also encourage it's great to continue to have these conversations i'm so i'm so excited to to hear more conversations taking place but i also want to encourage people to join the field because i i'm i'm in a retired but there are people who will now start hopefully after this hearing this episode and say you know what i'm going to ask for help i'm going to make an appointment but i want people to understand that there is a shortage of us it's the supply and demand dilemma that we're facing for sure for sure and i think that um it brings up a good point about sort of getting having access to an actual professional and i know we spoke before about the and i don't even this is like no shade but just the whole like the life coach, the wellness coach, the I mean, there's a big difference, right, between what you do and what they do. And I do believe in creating spaces for people to have conversations um, and to discover. But I think, you know, if, if there's a point where you really need professional help, yes. you know, you doing a vision board is not it, right? I mean, come on, like yeah, you're right. that, that that's not it. So when we see these women and again, it's all great, like get your bag, do you? You know, but it's it's for me, I, I think about the person who has struggled, like you said, for eight years. And they're finally like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. And then they go see some type of, you know, I don't know, coach or whatever. And it what they're telling them it's not enough. Or it's not the proper information because it's one thing to have the information it's another to know how to apply it when to apply it and again that's why it was so important for us to have you because you. there's not like there's nothing like a professional right if you want to go get your hair braided or if you want a good wig like if you want a good wig you're not going to go to the lady that's known for braiding hair right if you're just not going to do that so if you're looking to really take um control of your mental health and it's gotten to a point where you think you have a problem like the instagram coach you know <laughs> she don't make wigs right? <laughs> <laughs> that is so true <laughs> thank you for that yes. you're welcome no, I, was, I was sitting on that for a while but um i just 
had to come out. Huh? It had to come out. <laughs> like it had to come out. Don't. I don't want to receive any type of um like I don't know backlash. But it's it's important. Mm-hmm. You know we're yeah. having these conversations, so it's important for the right people to be True. guiding them. And, yeah, yeah. No, and everyone has has a place. So you, of course the coaches just understanding where you stand and sticking to your professional background, right? Right. So not really crossing the mental health professionals um, side of the work because we're trained like we are trained to do this there's so many hours that we yeah. have to do thousands and thousands of hours to sit for a board exam and then continue to be trained we still have to seek training to maintain our license um, so this is very serious work that we do this is a, a life and death situation that, right. that is being considered um, and so this is a space for people who to do mental health and to diagnose and to treat you have to seek someone who is trained for that who is licensed for that uh, when I talk about coaching people ask me okay well you know what's the difference now there are some coaches who do both because they're yeah. trained they're also trained mental health professionals but a coach from what I understand as of now, at least in the United States, it's not a regulated profession. Right. Mm-hmm. And meaning anyone can do it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly <laughs> right. the point I, I raised. And so it's not, so you can wake up tomorrow and say, I want to be a coach. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You're not going to get arrested. You don't have any type of um, professional board after you. But you can't wake up tomorrow and say, you know, I'm a mental health professional. I'm a mental health like You just can't do mm-hmm. You can't open up an office and do therapy because you will be arrested, right? Right. And so I think I say, well, think of the person that if you go to your local bodega. That's, you know, we're in New York City and that's what we see. And he or she says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be a life coach tomorrow. And that would be perfectly fine. Yeah. So anyone can and really it's scary. do it. And out <laughs> the chips and the sandwiches and the and advice. It, right. <laughs> And it's scary. And sometimes all you need is some followers on yeah. Instagram, and it's like it's unbelievable. And so those are those are examples I give. But there are some coaches who are very special. You know, they're specialized in, in business coaching. I mean, I've worked with some, and that and that's been very helpful. So there are some who are very um, specific and very knowledgeable in certain areas when yes. it comes to life or profession. So I, I really value that. You know, Absolutely. area of coaching. Yes. Um, but there are some who are not, yeah. you know, and so we just really need to be mindful yeah. when we choose when it comes to who we seek help for and making sure that if it is mental health and you feel like, you know what, I'm going to try, I, I feel like, you know, anxious, but I want to speak with a life coach because I don't think it's that serious. The chances are you need to speak to a professional. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I agree. Like I, I value coaches as well. Um, we've worked with, um, with Black Bravado. We've worked with one in the past mm-hmm. who is amazing. Um, just even talking to her, I'm like, I feel better because, yeah. you know, she's very, um, she's very like in tune with emotions mm-hmm. and she understands breath work and meditation and all of those things like Reiki. I've tried it all and it's all great. But I, I feel like, like you said, there are boundaries. Um, and so they have their space and you have Absolutely. yours. So yeah. it's just understanding um, understanding the boundaries and understanding that you have a responsibility to the people that look to you for advice. 
So if you feel like it's it's getting out of your realm, then you know partner up with the therapist, mm-hmm. you know, and refer the person to the right place. Yeah, to the yeah, right place. Absolutely. Because that's what we want. Like we all want mental wellness, right? We all want to walk around being healthy. Um. So yeah, it's it's important. Now I wanted to bring up. I I watched this uh documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. on the brain. I don't remember the name of it. It's okay because like Netflix is not giving us any money to talk about that. <laughs> but um, it, it was a, a documentary about the brain, and so in I want to say a docu series rather, mm-hmm. so maybe five or six episodes. So in like the fifth episode, they spoke about anxiety mm-hmm. and the different forms of anxiety, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, uh, social anxiety, generalized anxiety. They spoke about things like OCD, and it was interesting to me because the way that they broke it down. I was like, oh, well, I identify with some of those things Mm -hmm. that I thought my entire life were normal. For example, like, I used to, like, I used to be, well, you know, not used to. Let's say I'm working through my time management skills, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I was going to say I used to be, but I didn't want, I don't want the eyes on the back of my neck. (laughs) So... Specifically when going to work, um, when I had like a nine to five type job, right? So it is something that I had got under control before I started freelancing fully. But what I noticed is that I would do things like, okay, if I leave at this exact time, and as long as my Uber gets here this time, and when I go downstairs, I have to be in the fifth cart because if I'm in the fifth cart, I'm going to make it on time. If I'm in the second cart, I'm going to be late. And it's like, it makes no sense. And when I get to work late and I blame it on the fact that I ran downstairs and I was in the third cart, it makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I'm like, this is, excuse my life, like fucking ridiculous. You know? And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore because clearly it made no sense. Like you have to just leave earlier if you want to get there earlier. But then I fall into the same pattern, the same behavior of, no, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then this will be the outcome. And I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew it was not the right way to think or not mm-hmm. the right behavior um, because it was it was affecting my life, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't name it until I saw that documentary, and I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a, a type of behavior. Well, I identify with them. Uh, either like generalized anxiety or OCD when you're doing something like ex- excessively like all the time and it has to be a certain way and I it was just amazing to me because I consider myself like pretty well informed mm-hmm. but I had that aha moment when I saw the documentary and I'm like whoa I've been going through this since I was like 20 and I'm 35 and I only now have named it and I feel like for like well when I name something it becomes real to me it's like okay now you have to actively start you know you have to be responsible because now you know what it is um yes I just wanted to share like that personal experience so in anxiety when we have clients and I see clients and they come to our office and they say I don't want anxiety anymore that's not realistic as humans, we're, you know, we're supposed to be anxious, right? Mm-hmm. And that is our way to survive. But what happens is when we, anxiety is when you start to feel that threat, that immediate danger, you know that you are in danger 
So here we are, we're talking, we're laughing. There's no immediate danger going on, but God forbid there's something you know, dangerous outside. We're not going to just continue doing this episode, right? right. We are going to be in position to survive, to make sure that we are safe. Yeah. And that's when the anxiety kicks in. That's where all the physical changes happen. Our body is actually really built to survive, to protect mm-hmm. us. That's the flight or flight. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so the heart rate goes up. Yeah. The, you know, you start to sweat. And that is because the body, you telling your body, oh, we need to do something. We need yeah. to protect ourselves. So the heart rate is getting ready. The heart rate is going to pump at a, at a quicker rate because the blood needs to flow at a quicker rate, right? So all of these changes that's going on physically is actually supposed to happen. But the disorder comes in when it, there's no danger. So your body's constantly acting as if it's in danger. It's actually doing what it's It's supposed supposed to do, do. but you're interpreting the wrong message. You know, it happened to me on a train. Yeah. When I get on the train and then a lot of people is around me yeah. and my my heart start palpitating mm-hmm. and then I have to talk myself into, girl, you know, ain't nothing wrong with you. Just relax, breathe, just yeah. breathe and relax because these people got to get to where they got to go just like you. Yeah. Relax. And then I will calm down and relax. Mm-hmm. But I have to talk myself into saying Girl, get it together, because you know you won't be late. Like, one time I have literally gotten off the train mm-hmm. yeah. just to calm down, calm myself down, relax, and then get back on the train. Absolutely. And and just just to make sure that I have, to, I have to go to work, and I have to be to work at a certain time. So, like you said, that caused me to not get where I was supposed to go on time. What I should have done was talk myself in the train instead of getting off mm-hmm. talking to myself and calming myself down there but you know it's all a learning experience and yes we have to learn how to deal with it that was a healthy coping skill yeah. that you just did absolutely that is what we talk about right and mm-hmm. so what you did is the self-talk combating the negative thoughts mm-hmm. the intrusive thoughts because what you did you put a stop to it yeah because what happens is you oh i need to get out of this train I need to get out of this train, but what if this happens? And what if this train gets stuck? And that's where the heart rate, the body's saying, oh, wait a minute, are we in danger? Let's get ready. But you said, no, mm-hmm. I'm not in danger. Everyone is fine. We're mm-hmm. all going to right. a destination. <laughs> yeah. Make sure, you know, just breathe, breath, the yes. power of breath. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The power of breath, I'm yes. learning. I actually did a training on mindfulness and, and breathing. And I'm learning that babies know how to breathe, right? When we look at a baby, we want to see the baby's breathing. It's the belly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the power of breath, we're always stuffed here on our chest. Yeah. So the breathing technique is so powerful. Um, there's grounding where you just look at your surroundings. I mean, I always look at my surroundings. You look at your surroundings, um, body scan, what's going on in, in your body. And so there was one time when we said you had to leave. You had to get off the train. Mm-hmm. And you said it's a learned lesson, and that, and that's fine. Avoidance tends to be a very negative coping skill. You mm. don't want to avoid because now you have trained your your mind that the way to be safe is to avoid it. Right. You yeah. can't avoid the train. If you need to go to work, you right. can't avoid it. Um, and so it happens, but now you've developed this self-talk, which it has, has been helpful, yeah. And I also um, – have a lot of experience with it because my mother, God bless the dead, she suffered from anxiety bad. Mm. And 
she would never leave the house. So I watched her stop living because of anxiety. Stop doing what she was supposed to do or going to appointments because anxiety, like she would go downstairs and have to come right back up because the anxiety level was so much. So I, 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 I watched that and I, you know, and I, and I learned from that. Like, this is not going to get me. I, I, I'm not going to let this get me. So yeah, that's my experience with it. That is a very common experience when I meet with clients and, and my, my staff as a mental health professional, just like when you go to a regular doctor, what's your family history like? And what, what happens often, uh, we are supposed to teach our clients what's going on. You know, this is what you're going through, right? And like you said, now that I can identify a name, now it's up to me to do something about it. Right. But what, not only is there self-discovery, but then they start to realize, oh, this is what my mom is going through. Exactly. Oh, this is what my grand. No wonder every time this situation happened, they reacted this way. Yeah. Um, and so there is such a huge percentage of a, a family history when it comes to mental health because you start to learn these coping skills. Yeah. Right? You start. You think it's okay. You know. You think it's okay if it's your mom and she is uh, nervous about an experience or she's avoiding. We look at her. Well. She knows best, so there must be something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a very common experience that many people who are struggling with, with mental health is that they see it in, in the household. Yes. Yeah. And see, back then, there was no real help like, like it is now. Like, it was like, you know, she just went through it yeah. and suffered, actually. Mm. And, you know, we, had, we watched it. Yeah. And now, thank God, you know, you have other um, psychiatrists and stuff like that that can help, but back then it wasn't no real help. And look how powerful it is how you're here sitting and realizing this is what happened, and I'm starting to pick up. I, I'm starting to understand where I have some of these experiences from, but it's so powerful to have that awareness. Absolutely, well yeah. Talk about it. It's Absolutely. very powerful. And you not create a cycle. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm curious to know, like, you know, like in Lisa's case, for example, you know, her mom suffered, she grew up in it. So if it's someone who is sort of on a path or trying to be on a path to wellness or has identified different, you know, mental health conditions that they may be suffering from, how do you talk to those around you, specifically people who have that generational trauma um, who don't believe in or who really just don't know about mental health because I find, especially like, you know, in doing this podcast, um, you know, people reach out to us and they, whether they're in my aunt's age group or older or someone like my age who's like, well, how do I talk to my mother? How do I talk to my father? How do I, you know, and then the older generation, how do I talk to my mother? Is she still, you know, living? Or how do I talk to my kids or my sister? And I just feel like um, when speaking about this with someone that either has no knowledge or has been conditioned to think that they're okay, it's so tough 
and you almost put your own mental health at risk, you know? So then it becomes like, how do I help but also create healthy boundaries for myself, right? Because if you see that something is, is going on and you're on your path, you want those around you to be better, right? To feel better. But sometimes the resistance, it's like unbearable. That's a good question. And it comes up often with the older generation, I know, you know, I know, and especially with our you know, culture, ethnic background, it's, it's really tough to convince them. But it is up to us to create those healthy boundaries. And it reminds me of a technique that I work with our clients. You know, we often talk about detox when it comes to food, right? To eliminate the toxins in our body and making sure that, right, we drink more water, we eat, right? Because we want to feel good. We want to be physically fit. But there is also a component that I think should be applied to our external surround, to our surroundings, external environment. How do you detox your external environment? Mm, And that is an example of setting boundaries in these relationships. Um, And it's tough, right? There are loved ones because when you are, I see it often, when you are serious about healing, not everyone can come with you. And so when you have these messages um, or you have these conversations with your loved ones, it may just be, you know, I heard about mental health and I've heard about certain symptoms and I and I, I see that in you and, and many people are struggling with this. I'm learning that you need support that I can't give you. Yeah. So, you know, how do you tailor that message to let them know, I'm not the one for you to be calling me every single day about your problems and you're not doing anything <laughs> about it. Right? Yeah. So that message yes. may have to be tailored to your mom because you can't tell your mom, you know, you right, might right. get yeah. Right. How are you going yeah. to have a, a very specific message to the audience or to your circle of friends, your family? And you have to be very careful how much you absorb because that yes. starts to be yeah, well, mm-hmm. right? On you. On yes. you. Yes. And you start to feel helpless or you start to feel hopeful and there, the dynamics of the relationship will change because now you see the they're calling and you're ignoring the call. Yeah, yeah. You're declining to, you know, hang out with them because you just don't want to be bothered. So um, this is what you can do. And sometimes I'll tell clients, you, you can even say, if you want, I can help you find someone. Mm-hmm. Or I can go with you on your appointment. But right now I can't value our, our friendship or our relationship. But that's an area that I find that I can't help you with. Yeah. It can be a message similar to that. Yeah. 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 Also, too, what I try to tell people, too, because I have some friends like that, um, you know, you have to change the way you think. Mm. You can't keep going down the same rabbit hole all the time and expect the same outcome. You have to change the way you think. And you might not like it or don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. You can't keep calling me with this. You bringing me down. So until you learn how to use tools to cope with or to change the way your your mind, your thinking process, then you can't call me no more with that because I don't want to hear that. Yeah, that's harsh, but it's necessary sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely is necessary. Because I I feel like my mental health is is way more important. (laughs) (laughs) Self-care. (laughs) 
I yes. listen, that's the journey I'm on. Yeah. Self-care. Yeah. And that sometimes people don't realize that um, hearing someone constantly complain or has negative thoughts, it can be like almost as damaging as mm-hmm. your own. Absolutely. Right? Because it's like, like you said, Auntie, they're constantly bringing you down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always a take, 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 mm-hmm. take. Never just, how are you? Or what? It's always taking. And yeah, I, I mean, I had to do that in my own life and it's very very difficult because some of those people are like the closest to me um but it's just like listen for me like because like you said you can't always just give it that blunt um but i have to just remove myself from the conversation i have to remove all the room whatever it is Mm -hmm. listen i have to go i i told i told you before like we're not doing this anymore Mm -hmm. we can talk about solutions we can talk about Mm -hmm you know, ways for you to get help or deal. But I, like you said, I'm not going down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole with yeah. you because this is now the thousandth time. And, like, you're not going to take me there. So let me get off this phone. Let me leave this room. And, you know, it, it doesn't always work well. But I, I, I'll feel bad for a couple minutes, but then I feel better, you know? That's right. You spoke your truth. And, and it's a, another way to cope because when you – you're in a path of self-care, and that requires to have these boundaries. Yeah. It requires for you to have tough conversations with people, right? And that goes back to me being very serious about this message, okay, we need to detox our environment. Because when you are struggling with depression or anxiety, there are certain experiences in your life that's um, triggering these symptoms. So what is it? How do we assess that? And once we identify it, how do we deal with that? Do we eliminate it? Do we shift um, ourselves in, in, in our lives to better cope with it as well? Mm-hmm. And so having these conversations, making sure that these relationships are in alignment to our healing Ooh. is tough, but it, it is necessary. Boundaries. I can't speak, I mean, just whether it be a professional, personal, um, think about it, because then you start to condition other people and say, you know what, I can't approach that person about this because they're so serious about their self-care. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm not calling them after 9 mm-hmm. o'clock because yeah. they, this is their time to meditate mm-hmm. or pray yes. or spend time yes. with family. And you send a consistent message and people will get it, right? Right. Yeah, it's so, tough in the beginning, yeah. So you setting up those boundaries actually teaches other people how to deal with you or mm-hmm. let other people know what you will expect and what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Wish I would have known that like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, say, it takes time. Yeah, it takes time it to learn these it things. Does. But it's, because it's, pe- especially with family members, I find yeah. like people will push you or they would, they would test you to your limit. So you, it, it, de- it definitely takes time. For you to learn um, these strategies to keep yourself well and keep your mental health good. Absolutely. And, and oftentimes we find ourselves saying yes when we're actually saying no to our well-being. Yeah. Avoid conflict. Yes. People pleasing. All of those. Oh, the plight. <laughs> yes. My goodness. And, and when you hear... Well, I'm always doing for so-and-so. I'm always here to help. And I'm always, and I said, well, have you expressed this? But they 
should know. They can't read your mind. Exactly. They, they can't hear your yeah. mind, right? Yeah. Oh they can't hear your words. Yeah. I can't do this because I'm sorry. No, right? Just set those boundaries. Verbalize it. And so you're right. And then you're we'll right. get on the phone with you and be like, I'm always giving her. I'm always doing this. And, and you'd be like, well, why don't you stop? If you're not getting the response that you want from this person, then stop. Yeah. But you made a good point, Leslie, about verbalizing mm-hmm. because people do say, well, they should just know. And right. no, that is not true. Mm-hmm. Like people will do in a sense what you allow them to do. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you're if you're sitting and you're like, Yes, I'll do that. I'll pick up so and so. I'll get this for you. I'll loan you. It's like you're letting them know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. So they're always gonna say, Well, I can go to this person mm-hmm. because they're going to do it. So you're conditioning them, whether it's good or bad. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all. And now you're mad case. at yourself because you allow somebody else to take you somewhere you didn't right. want to go. Right. And you're going to call me with that nonsense. <laughs> and then it's a whole, hey, listen, <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> No, I mean that is that is an example where there are times when we when I encounter these experiences with clients, and I'll say, "Well, let's just role play." Mm. Let's just because it's so easy to say, "Well, this is what you do." Just say, "No, let's just just role play." Because when the moment comes that you really have to have this conversation, you've had it in my office, and I'll you know I'll challenge it. And, and just try to be more um, challenging for that person to make them somewhat uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it might, it's going to be uncomfortable, yeah. right? Yeah, well, absolutely. You're, you're always saying yes. Now you're changing. You know, now you think you're all. So I'll say these oh, remarks yes. in a real place. It, it's so true. So they can be ready. They yeah. can definitely <laughs> yeah. be ready. So you change. Yes. Or, like, no, no, how about this one? You cheat. <laughs> but but you, you don't remember all the times I said yes. Right. But so then as soon as you say no, you, different. you cheat. You different. Yeah. And it's like, should I, am I supposed to be the same person mm-hmm. that I was 10 years ago, five mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. last year, right? Because we're always supposed to like grow. I thought that was the goal, to become better, to become wiser. So when people are like, well, you different, it's like, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm striving to be different. <laughs> I am striving to change. Yes. Oh, gosh. This was such a refreshing conversation. Um, And actually, we have a very special announcement, guys. Get ready. Maybe we'll insert a jump roll. We'll see. (laughs) But um, Leslie will be coming back uh, twice a month. We're introducing a new segment on the podcast called You Good Therapy with Leslie. Yay! Yay! So, I mean, this is amazing. It's amazing. Um, bringing you here, just having this conversation is one thing. Um, but we'll actually be opening up this uh, segment to our listeners. So people can email us questions. They can send open letters. They can send rants. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Is this anything off limits? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, guys, you can send it all. Uh, and Leslie will review, and she'll be giving her expert, her trained, she has receipts, you can look her <laughs> up, um, advice and feedback and steps uh, and things that you can work through right here on Everybody's Favorite Auntie 
twice a month. That's You Good Therapy with Leslie. We're so excited. We're so grateful that you are lending your time to this. Um, it's definitely something that's needed. And if you all are interested, you can email us hello at blackbravado.com, hello at blackbravado.com. You can slide in our DMs. It's perfectly fine. You can hit us up on Facebook um, and just take advantage of this. Take advantage. I'm not going to put Leslie's business out on the street. However, she does not come cheap. (laughs) Okay? She's put her work in. And, you know, for those of you who are thinking about it, maybe you're not ready to, you know, take that step. You have to look into your insurance, get your back. Like, I don't know. But you can send in your questions, uh, and, and she'll be, she'll be here with us twice a, twice a month. Uh, so it's going to be great, right? I'm excited. Thank you for having me. It is going to be great. Yes. 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 I, right. I, I'm really, really, really thankful for this as yes. well. Because I find out that now, a lot of young people mm-hmm. are suffering from anxiety. So young people, if you're listening, please take advantage of this because this opportunity is a one in a lifetime. So please yeah. take an advantage of this. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, for really all, like if you're a mother yeah. or a grandmother and you're listening, you can, maybe you see something in your child or your grandchild or yeah. whomever um, that you're, you want to identify. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something that everyone can take advantage of no matter where you are mm-hmm. um, in terms of age or background. Like, it doesn't even matter. But if you have a question, if you're curious, if you see something in yourself or in others, if you heard something today that you're like, oh, wow, that, that sounds like what I go through, please, please, please reach out to us. Um, like Auntie said, it's definitely a, a once in a lifetime. Well, it's going to be twice every month, but the sentiment is the same, that this is a great opportunity, um, you know, for you guys to start working on your mental wellness. Right, Leslie? Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Thank you so much for having me. You're Thank welcome. You. And yeah. before we go, let everyone know where they can find you. Sure. Go ahead. So my website is www.counselingpc.com, and you can follow me on social media. My handle is at Counseling Space. Email is info at counselingpc.com. And again, my name is Leslie Garcia. Awesome, guys. She's, again, available in New York City. If you're in uh, the Georgia, any specific area in Georgia? No, so I'm licensed to practice in the state of New York and also in the state of Georgia. So clients that I have in Georgia, we can do online counseling. Okay. And also for New York, because we work with a lot of entrepreneurs, so we do a lot of online counseling as well. All right. So you guys have no excuse. Online, (laughs) in person, whatever you have to do to get it right, get it right. Um, Any final thoughts, Auntie? Uh, no, everything. I, I learned a lot today yeah, and same. it was a very, very, very good, um, podcast and I'm grateful. That's it. So that's where we're ending yeah. on gratitude. Absolutely. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Everybody's favorite auntie is available on Spotify, Apple podcast, and for free at blackbravado.com slash everybody's favorite auntie. You can follow us on Instagram at Black Bravado and on Facebook at everybody's favorite auntie. This has been another episode of everybody's favorite auntie, giving you the real, the straight with no chase up.